Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Thinking Beyond. Let's talk innovation for the future. The podcast where we chat with our FACC members and industry leaders on innovation within their world. Our episode today is Winning the Global Rebound, Creating and Maintaining a Resilient CX Strategy. Uncertainty has grown and the shopping experience has become a bit more tricky to say the least. According to McKinsey & Company, retailers and companies which focus on improving their customer experience during recessionary times experience a shallower drop-off and a quicker recovery compared to companies which don't prioritize it at all. Today, we have with us Marie Dubier, who is the Managing Director of the Americas at Albatross CX. Marie has spent over a decade working in retail and marketing for major global brands. She currently works with clients to leverage customer experience as a key success factor during and post times of uncertainty. Marie, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, I know we have a ton to get through and a ton to cover, but before we really get into the thick of things, I'd really just like to first understand exactly how you how you define customer experience for clients. Uh, yes, I think it's important to really start simple. Um, so customer experience, or CX, as we're going to refer to it most likely in the rest of the conversation, mm-hmm. um, is uh, everything that an organization um, delivers when it comes to interactions with the clients. Um, as a company, we focus uh, mainly on uh, consumer goods and uh, luxury and premium consumer goods. And you can think of it this way. Um, brands that are uh, you know, designing products, for instance, think of a fashion brand, uh, usually have a very strong focus on uh, their creations. Uh, the work we are trying to do with them is to help them uh, put something else in the balance and in their offering to the client. And it's not only that beautiful dress that they have designed, it's also how mm-hmm. they're going to experience the dress mm-hmm. uh, and everything. So that's the work we are doing uh, with our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was uh, preparing um, you know, this episode, I was thinking that back when I started about over 10 years ago working in the luxury industry, we're speaking a lot about uh, syndrome du pas de porte, or I don't know if you said that in English, mm-hmm. like the doorstep syndrome. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. idea that it was very intimidating for a client to open the door of a luxury boutique. Um, and that tells a lot. That says that um, uh, in its infancy, uh, the luxury industry has never been extremely uh, you know, welcoming to clients Mm -hmm. and that still reflects in the way that human interactions are happening nowadays so yes to sum this up you know when we think about luxury goods or luxury and premium goods a customer experience is what do you offer in terms of human interaction to your clients and how do you elevate this and so looking at you know 10 years ago in luxury retail whatever it may be could you pinpoint a couple or maybe just one thing that has changed so drastically which really defines CX for you going forward? Well, I think, you know, by definition, what has changed a lot is the customer. And, and okay. you know, if you work on customer experience in a really, uh, I want to say, professional fashion, or if you're really convinced that customer experience is essential to your business, then you're obsessed with your customer. And then you realize that uh, customers are no longer looking to be, uh, you know, addressed in a very uh, upper lip stiff fashion, or, or they are much more casual than the brand's 
are sometimes. It's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the luxury industry has been a little bit late in uh, joining all the omnichannel uh, experiences because there was a lot of debate internally like luxury goods would never sell online and this is not what the customers expect. Um, what the customers are telling us is actually that they do expect this. So customers have changed a lot and it's always a very tricky balance in the luxury industry to find this very thin line between um, delivering those traditions and everything that brings value to the luxury experience, but also understanding that um, the lines are moving. As things are moving, as customers are changing, is there something you could pinpoint which is just always going to be and always has been, something that's remained constant? I think the constant, and sometimes when, when we say this, it's uh, we, we feel like we're stating the obvious, but actually in all the conversations we have with our clients, we say this is not the case. But what has never changed and what we really believe will never change is that an excellent human interaction or an excellent experience is definitely a business driver. Um, mm -hmm. there, so you referred to McKinsey and company. There's a lot of work out there showing us that um, when you have a meaningful interaction with a brand or with an associate representing the brand, because those are people, you know, interacting with each other, uh, it definitely um, elevates your willingness to purchase. It elevates your loyalty to the brand. It elevates how you're going to recommend the brand. Um, mm -hmm. And so we are talking now about very, very strong business leverages. So we are talking about positive word of mouth. Um, in other words, what happens in your boutique or in your, you know, uh, interaction doesn't stay in the boutique. It's actually spreading. It's spreading mm -hmm. even more now with the social networks and everything. Um, it, talks, it speaks to your customer loyalty. So if you engage well with your clients, they remain more loyal. They are also less price sensitive. Um, so they are willing to pay more to have a better experience. Mm -hmm. This is shown in many, many studies. It clearly drives revenues and all the studies we do with our clients are showing this amazing correlation between um, when an amazing experience is delivered then the willingness to purchase is extremely high. Uh, mm -hmm. What's most surprising is that when a good experience is delivered, when someone who's been interacting with the brand said, I've had a good experience, there is still a significant drop in their purchase intention compared to the ones who had an amazing experience. So that's the message we're telling to our clients. We are telling them, good is not enough. If you really want to drive your business, um, you need to be amazing. And that I don't think is changing. I mean, that's the nature mm -hmm. of a human interaction. The fact that if you engage at an emotional level, and if you're capable to meet your client on a really one-on-one -on -one basis, um, then you really elevate your business. Uh, and that's, that's just a human factor. You know, that's sure. just who we are. Right, right. And what would you say are the factors which prevent brands from making that big leap to the extraordinary? It's a, it's a daily conversation we're having <laughs> on that topic. Um, I think there are, and, and it's interesting because we've been doing this job over the past uh, months to try and understand. We have about 60 clients active in the U.S., and mm -hmm. we try to cluster them and try to see, okay, what are we witnessing when we interact with them and what are the main, you know, um, roadblocks that get in the way of excellent experiences. Um, and we came down to about, I think, three main points. The first one, and each point is a huge field in itself, but uh, the first one is the culture. What is the company culture? And remember mm -hmm. when I when I told you, um, you know, 10 years ago, we were talking a lot about the doorstep syndrome. Um, I think mm -hmm. the culture of the luxury industry and, and luxury goods, uh, as we are speaking about this more specifically, um, mm -hmm. has been very brand centered. You know, and I used to work for those brands. I used to spend 
a lot of time trying to craft our message, who we are, who is our creator, who is designing our fragrances. And that's very self-centered in a way. There's this very good um, um, cartoon from the marketunist of a customer holding a product and the product says, uh, blah, 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 enough about me. So it's a product speaking about itself. Okay. Um, what's about you? So the, mm -hmm. you're expecting the, the product's going to, you know, let the customer speak. And then he says, what do you think about me? Um, so, and I think it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's really hitting the, the nail on the head, this idea that culturally uh, luxury brands have been very self-centered because they have put a lot of energy into designing and creating those beautiful products and then engineering the stories around those products. And then everybody's so focused into giving this message across that there's very little room to be centered about, okay, but who's standing in front of me? Who's that mm -hmm. person who wants my product? Um, so that's what we tell our clients. If you really want to establish a strong CX strategy, it starts with a culture. It starts from the top. You need a strong sponsor. You need someone uh, high in your organization who's going to be, uh, you know, uh, setting the direction for the whole organization. And then mm -hmm. you also need to start simple. Um, you need to start with communication. And we see that communication is not always here. And sometimes when you speak to frontline teams and, and people that are on the shop floor in boutiques, and you realize that they define their clients by the product they purchase. Um, so you would have a boutique manager telling me, um, oh, today I, I sold a watch, a wallet, and a pair of shoes. As opposed mm -hmm. to, oh, today I met... Uh, um, you know, a working mom, um, uh, uh, someone who was traveling for leisure and, um, you know, uh, someone who was retiring and celebrating his retirement. And those are really simple things, but those are things that give us, um, give away this idea that as an organization, we're not communicating on the right topics. We're still very product-centered and the conversations that are happening in the teams that are interfacing with the customers are not actually focusing on the customers. So mm -hmm. the culture, it's going to trickle down in many aspects of everything you do on your daily life, but this is what is the main thing that is not here and that can get in the way of this good experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing we have in mind is the goals and the KPIs, or in other words, the measure of success. Mm -hmm. So we work with um, some clients, and by definition, if they work with us, they have an interest in customer experience. So that, that's, that's the baseline. They have all the best intentions in the world, but when you scratch the surface, you realize that um, you know backstage, their organization is not set up to deliver good experiences simply because they don't measure success in the proper way. Um, and again, we are back to the history of, of, you know, the luxury industry, luxury retail. Um, and people are focusing on, for instance, uh, the wrong KPIs. They are focusing on sales. Um, for instance, if you think of omnichannel, which is a very hot topic right now, um, it's still very often the case that if you walk into a store and you want this pair of shoes in this size, uh, it's not available in the boutique. Um, the sales advisor is not incentivized to direct you to an online channel or another boutique simply because this will not hit his commission. Um, so those are, you know, small um, um, roadblocks that get in the way. The fact that you might have the ambition, uh, but the way you measure success, the way you incentivize your team is actually getting mm -hmm. in the way of delivering those good experiences. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, measuring up against those who are delivering the amazing experiences, could you pinpoint what determines an amazing brand? What is you know, a common pattern within those CX leaders that really make that experience amazing? So 
since we're just talking about the KPIs, the, the brands that are really leading in our field and when we're working with them, we see that they are um, uh, experiencing and they are agreeing to drop old KPIs, so sales, uh, you need per transactions, conversion rates, all those things that are really, you know, deep in the culture of retail. Um, they are willing to let them go and have their team focused on customer satisfaction. Uh, okay. It's a big leap of faith uh, because it's been ingrained in the way we've been working for so many years that it feels hard to, you know, let go of that number. And we have that conversation a lot of times with people because they are like, yes, I understand. Yes, I want to go down that road. But at the same time, what will happen if I don't tell my teams that they have to sell? Mm-hmm. Well, if you tell your teams that the objective is to uh, delight the customers and that their sole purpose is to deliver those amazing experiences, uh, sales are going to come as a natural consequence. Uh, but it's very hard to, to let go of this. Um, and we have brands who've been doing this. They, they, they've been piloting this. You know, They've been selecting stores um, where they dropped the, the, the sales KPIs and focused on the customer satisfaction KPI. Uh, that requires, of course, that you have a metric behind this. So there's a, you know, you can... Mm-hmm. You can measure post-purchase satisfaction. You can measure browsing satisfaction. You need to have a system to have this kind of feedback loop. Um, and they see their sales growing. We've had clients who were fully focusing on customer experience. Uh, then, because of a given factor, went back to sales KPIs. And then they told us that both went down, that the sales went down and that the customer satisfaction went down. Um, so it takes kind of a you know pioneering spirit. It takes kind of a, mm-hmm. of a free thinking mindset in the luxury industry to let go of the old KPIs and be able to focus on the new ones. Do you, I mean is there anything else that you'd say is really preventing brands, or is is it really just come down to culture and then the, what they're aiming for the KPI? That and then I think it's a, you know it's a very simple question: who delivers the experience? Um, frontline oh, okay. teams, um, and, sure. and the same way you would not um, imagine having a good date if your date is not having a good one. It's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to think that um, you can deliver amazing experiences if your um, employees are not engaged and are not themselves having a good employee experience. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes I call this a domino effect. Um, if you want to have a beautiful domino effect, you need to work on your employee experience and you need to work on your frontline teams. What we see Mm -hmm. is is a problem is uh, many things. First, um, an unstable population will definitely get in the way of you delivering good experiences. So when you have very high staff turnover or very high level of part-timers, it's very hard to engineer those good experiences. Um, that's a vis- that's, it can be either a vicious circle or a virtuous circle. So the best players in customer experience, they have the lowest staff turnover. Um, so mm-hmm. anyone who's uh, you know been working in retail know how hard it is to onboard, train, recruit the right people. I think everybody would sign up a blank check to be told that their staff turnover is going to be maintained really low, and it's definitely um, a win for a company to invest in customer experience. If you see this as a holistic approach, it's going to trickle down, or it's going to start by your employee engagement, and it's going to stabilize your population. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? You know, you do that by, you know, empowering your managers um, to to coach their teams, um, have the time to have those nurturing conversations around uh, customer experience, uh, letting go of processes. It's another inheritance of, of the past. The fact that, you know, brands 
define what they what they think is a selling ceremony, uh, meaning kind of a script of how an interaction should happen. I greet you at the door, I offer you a drink, I have you sit, I hold your bags, but this is very scripted. Um, it's also a lot of pressure on the teams because they, they, are, they have a checklist in their head. They're like, I have to do this, I have to do that, and it's a very narrow um, window of action. So we are telling them, you know, to empower your frontline teams, which is going to result into a lower staff turnover, um, you might want to think about uh, putting that selling, selling ceremony in the back burner and rather working on the behaviors. And if you work on the behavior, then you empower your frontline teams to adapt to the situations. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? Uh, someone can walk in the store and not be thirsty and they don't want your glass of water. And, and you know, and when it's descriptive, sure. it's... Um, taking away the organic interaction, and it's definitely getting in the way of a good experience. So unstable population is hard to, uh, you know, onboard, train, develop on those soft skills that are really long-term developments. Um, the role of the managers are not so well-defined. Uh, we do sometimes workshops. Uh, I've done one not so long ago with maybe 20 boutique managers. The title of the workshop is Customer Experience. Um, mm -hmm. I tell them what's your day to day and for 20 minutes all I hear about is everything but customers um, and, and it's telling you that again the organization is not prepared or is not set up to deliver those experiences so they will tell you about stock transfer and they will tell you about uh, you know team rotas and they will tell you about merchandising and everything that comes into the running of a boutique as an operation which is really important work but the question is, if you have your teams, the frontline teams, obsessed about this work, then the clients becomes, um, you know, someone who disturbs them in their work. And then the focus is not in the right place. So you want to rethink maybe the role of the managers. What can we take away? There's a lot of reporting. Do they have to do all this reporting? You know, what's the best use of those people that are interacting with your clients? Um, I talked a little bit about the training skills. Um, again, brands are very strong into, uh, you know, their own storytelling, everything. They do that really well. Um, many of the brands we work with have very little knowledge when it comes to soft skills or, if you will, uh, you know, emotional intelligence um, and how do you connect with someone. So this is, mm -hmm. this is getting in the way. Um, and then the last thing I will say when it comes to employee engagement is, uh, Again, the recruitments are based on, on things that maybe were true 10 years ago. Um, so if you go down Fifth Avenue, there's a likelihood that um, if you speak to, um, you know, brand ambassadors in the Fifth Avenue stores, uh, they might have covered like five or six boutiques in Fifth Avenue, uh, meaning that the staff is coming from next door, um, meaning mm -hmm. that you don't have fresh eyes. Uh, you have people that are uh, set in their ways um, and, and you're cutting yourself from maybe talents that can come from outside of the industry. And we have those amazing stories uh, from clients that are telling us that sometimes, uh, you know, that the best selling person on the shop floor is a former nurse. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and why? Because as a nurse, you care. And when you care, then you can transfer that, you know, and it's about a, it's about a mindset. It's not so much about a skill. You can learn to present a watch, you know, but do you care, Jimmy? Sure. Um, so, sure. yeah, employee is a huge topic. So we spoke about culture and KPIs and then employee 
how do you stabilize your population? What's the role of your managers? Uh, how much how much mm -hmm. operational work takes over the actual engaging with the client's work? How do you train on behaviors and, and soft skills? And, and how do you rethink your recruiting process? Because you can find, uh, you know, really amazing people outside of the lecture industry. Uh, one of our big clients was telling us that they're top um, top uh, sales advisor is a former Dunkin' Donuts employee. And, and, and they okay. hired him because uh, they were meeting him every day and they found he was amazing at connecting with people. And he transferred to that high, high end luxury brand and with no problem. And he has the highest book in the store. So, you know, you wow. know, also, I think it's working against uh, prejudice is helping a lot when it comes to customer experience. Mm -hmm. Before we get into the high level strategic tips and strategic points about, you know, creating and maintaining a excellent, amazing CX strategy, I'd like to get your take on the impact of COVID-19 on CX within a particular industry. And, you know, it only makes sense to, to go right into the luxury industry as this is what we've been speaking about so far. So would you be able to kind of pinpoint how COVID-19 has really affected the CX experience um, in the luxury industry? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, the, the last three months felt like, I don't know, 10 years uh, in terms of, of learning right. and, and, and things we've seen. Um, to us, the way we are take on the situation is that COVID has actually been a catalyzer for existing trends. And I think you've, you've seen that a lot. Um, and again, if you speak about customer experience, you have to start by the customer. So it has changed the customer profile. Um, for the US, um, we're going to be cut from a Chinese business uh, simply because of the travel mm -hmm. ban. And then, uh, you know, the, the Chinese consumers were accounting for a very, very high percentage of the luxury sales in the US. Um, they were also a very transactional customer. Uh, what is a transactional customer? Is someone who queues in forever in front of your boutique, who just walks in and says, I want this in this color and this size and walks out. Um, and you will have, you know, every brand we work with, they have a mix of those customers that are just transactional. They're here for the product. Um, and they have a mix of other customers that, you know, require more help or more assistance or are more, you know, um, looking for an experience. So this Chinese conception is going away uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, it means that a new emphasis has to be put on local customers. And let's face it, they were a little bit on the back burner uh, for, for the past mm -hmm. years. Uh, it means you need to understand your customer anew. And how do you do that? Um, you can do through primary research, which is a, a very good starting point. If you want to understand, you know, your customer sentiment. Um, you can also do that if you see your boutiques as a, as a, you know, a pulse of, of your customers. And if you empower your frontline teams, you can do that in a very grassroots approach and, and have your teams um, being very focused in understanding the customer shift as they interact with the customers. Uh, over the past three months, uh, you know, there are high chances that many brands have seen their, their e-commerce team um, being really all of a sudden under the spotlights because they were taking over from the boutiques that were simply shut down. What have they learned from the clients? What were the nature of the conversation? It's an amazing source of information and sometimes not so, um, um, it's underused because again, uh, there's a tendency to say, okay, I spoke to a watch, uh, a fragrance and a lipstick, uh, which is not gonna define your customer. So customer profile is changing. The customer sentiment is adapting really quickly. I don't know if you were reading the studies from one week to another, it was changing. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's polarized. So you will see people that are extremely optimistic. You will see people that are extremely pessimistic. All it tells us is that you need to do the work in a very grassroots fashion. You need to understand the customers as they walk in your store. And to be able to do that, you need to have people and teams that are trained to do so. And we spoke about this a little bit earlier. So changing customer profile, mm -hmm. you need to understand your customer. You can do primary research, but you can do it in a very grassroots approach. Uh, and then there's a change in conception habits. Um, the increase in omni-channel omni conception, online conception has been, uh, you know, up the roof. Um, it raises many questions. How do you redefine your customer interactions? How do you elevate experiences online? Uh, this is a work that really interestingly enough, we're doing before COVID uh, started. So we've been, you know, working with call centers to help them, you know, elevate at the level of a boutique interaction. Um, there has been, I think, this um, assumption that physical uh, stores were here to develop the, to deliver the experience and online channels were here to develop to deliver the convenience. And this was kind of a baseline mm -hmm. assumption, which meant that brands were investing a lot into training their frontline teams in the boutiques to deliver this elevated experience, but they were not investing so much in their online channels. And um, this has shifted. And we have seen that, you know, retail staff was put online. And as a result, a lot of good practices have happened. I think it's very good. Um, you know, this change in conception habits. And then there's the health and safety concerns. So mm -hmm. I think it's a safe assumption to say that uh, many luxury brands have received about 200 pages of uh, new processes on how to, you know, um, make things um, safe um, for, for their employees and their sure. staff. Uh, we are back to a process. Um, how is this process going to get in the way of those uh, genuine interactions that we know are, are needed for a good experience? Uh, those are very, very big questions. Um, that's definitely going to impact um, CX. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then frontline teams, you know, again, back to them, they've been stressed. They've been furloughed. Uh, they've had a lot of uncertainty on their future. Um, the, the, you know, the salary is usually a healthy mix of uh, base salary and commission. So if they didn't make their sales, they were losing their salary. So again, back to this idea, a strong employee engagement or good employee experience is a baseline for a good customer experience. So this has been shattered a lot and brands need to rethink, you know, how to keep their teams engaged and how to have them, you know, at the best uh, to be able to engage with the clients. I think in a nutshell, the crisis has, you know, taught us the hard way, all the shortcomings in our customer interactions. And we see it ourselves, you know, as an agency, um, the clients with whom I have built um, those long lasting relationships, I can pick up the phone, even if I don't have anything going on with them and I can have a conversation. Um, the clients I have had just a one-off project, it's very hard to reconnect in times of crisis. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, Again, think of this, uh, I'm telling you to call back your um, high school friend you haven't spoke to in 10 years. How do you think this is going to go? It's not going to go so well. I mean, it's going to be awkward or you're not going to feel so good. And brands, brands are telling us this, um, that when boutiques were shut down, um, the, the, the advisors who are still capable of, of, you know, keeping an engagement with their clients and as a result, uh, delivering sales are the ones that were investing in building relationships with our clients, 
for a long time before the crisis came. And then there was always a part of the population that was relying on, on you know, walking traffic. And that is not a winning long-term strategy because when the crisis comes, that walking traffic is not here anymore. And then you're left empty-handed. Earlier, I mentioned that McKinsey and company had um, said that, you know, brands that focus on CX during cri- times of crisis outperform those who don't. In your experience, um, seeing brands um, recently, do they, you know, do they focus on CX? Why do you recommend your clients keep a focus on CX? How do, how does that kind of unfold? And does the McKinsey and company quote, for lack of a better word, hold true? I think it's uh, we're back to the culture. Uh, it's uh, it depends where the brand is as a, a general organization. And um, if you think of this idea of you know segmenting the traffic that you have in your store between the transactional traffic and and the experiential traffic, um, some brands have been doing really good on transactional traffic only. And so when when you're doing mm-hmm. good, it's hard to question what you're doing wrong. And we've seen players that are doing well, but they keep, you know, customer experience as kind of a side project because they think that their sales are good. And so this is to them an indication that uh, they don't need to invest in customer experience. I think this was true. I mean, this was where they were maybe uh, three months ago. And I think now lines have moved. Uh, We see uh, Mm -hmm. players that are doing extremely well. Uh, double-digit growth uh, over the past five years, uh, amazing brands that are really strong and healthy, and they still have this question, can I do better? Did I grow to the full extent of my potential? Uh, Or did I just rely on the fact that my brand was uh, hot and trendy right now? And I think this is down to this. You can have good sales, but the question is, did I capture the full potential of my sales? And yes, uh, clients do keep a focus on CX. I mean, in times of crisis, because the conversations we're having is that um, those who've been investing in this um, have invested a lot, uh, you know, in the past years uh, in training their teams, in onboarding them, in building this culture, in establishing the right culture, uh, the right structures to promote customer experience. And they don't want to drop the ball now. They don't want to drop the ball now because they think they're going to lose it. It's like a beach body. You know, you work on your beach body for six months, you're in tip top shape and then you let it go and then you have to start all over again. Um, so definitely uh, clients are keeping a focus on this because it's a long-term investment because they know it's how they're going to you know, catch the full potential of that growth. And what I would say is that, remember, we just said that customer sentiment is shattered, that the customer profile is changing, that the customer um, um, ways to interact with the brands is changing as well. Uh, there is so much that's being redefined right now. The playbook is kind of, mm-hmm. you know, of no use anymore. Uh, we are in uh, uncharted sure. territories and it's really now that you want to understand what's going on. So, um, you know, we're back to that point. You need to understand what the clients are telling you when they walk in the stores or when they call your call center and when they go on your chat. Um, so, yes, for us, definitely makes sense to keep a focus in times of crisis. Um, even if, Even if we know that, you know, budgetary constraints are going to come into play because uh, everybody is doing the same exercise of trying to navigate in the long run. Um, but it doesn't mean um, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on customer experience because this is what's going to take you through the crisis. Thank you for listening to part one of our episode, Winning the Global Rebound, Creating and Maintaining a Resilient CX Strategy. 
Next time on part two, we will speak with Marie on how to create a CX strategy when there's no budget to do so, what the starting point of that strategy looks like, and what the challenges will be for customer experience post-COVID. Stay tuned for part two and for more digital content from the FACC New York. Go to FACCNYC.org for more. Thank you and see you soon.